And Naomi, your mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman with whose maid you were? Behold, he went on barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself. Put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. She said to her, all that you say, I will do. So, the mother-in-law as the matchmaker. <laughs> she's pretty funny, I think. Yeah, and she's pretty typical woman, isn't she? <laughs> she is seeking a man for Ruth. She says, Boaz is our kinsman. And so she tells Ruth what she needs to do. You wash yourself, you anoint yourself, you put on your best clothes, and I want you to go down to the threshing floor where he'll be. Now, she wants him to be able to ask Boaz to marry her in private. So she says, I want you to just not not reveal yourself until he's finished eating and drinking, he's gone to sleep. And then you notice where he's laid down, and you go and uncover his feet. And I think the point of that, personally, there's a, boy, there's plenty of stuff that's debatable, but I think without a cover on his feet, his feet are going to get cold, he's going to wake up. And she's going to be able to talk to him when nobody else is listening because they're all asleep. And he's, she's going to be ask, able to ask him privately then, will you marry me, essentially? Why is the girl proposing? Um, well, I think because she is requesting Boaz to perform the role of the kinsman redeemer. Now, he is a much older man, and so I think his assumption would be she wouldn't even want to marry him. This is not so much passion as it is seeking a descendant for her husband and to carry on the family name, she's sacrificing the opportunity to marry some young dashing Israelite, mm -hmm. to marry someone who would carry on the family name. So I think she is submitting to this plan and telling Boaz she would like for him to fulfill this role. That would be what I'd say about that. Boy, everything in here gets interpretive. Um, so I think God's hands behind all this. I think he's the one that set all this up. I mean, I don't think it was really by accident that she ended up in Boaz's field. But I think it's interesting when God is working behind the scenes. Should we just kind of fold our hands and say, I'm going to wait for the Lord to work it out for me? Well, that's not what Naomi does. She doesn't say, well, I hope this all happens. She said, listen, Ruth, <laughs> you do this, 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 this. And I think we do that too. Does God provide our daily bread? Yes. So do we just fold our hands and wait for him to provide it, or do we go out and get a job? We're supposed to go out and get a job. You know, we are supposed to work for it. Does that mean we do it ourselves and God doesn't have anything to do with it? No. Does, it, does what Ruth does here eliminate God? No way. The Lord's hands in all of this, but he expects us to be doing our part. That is part of what God does. So I think Naomi is orchestrating this, but because God has set this up. 
And Naomi has a lot more to say about this than Ruth does. Ruth just says, all that you say I will do. Comments and questions? Was Boaz not married? I don't know. I don't think it mattered. Was it common for them to have multiple wives at this time? There's a lot of multiple wives in the Old Testament. I don't know about this time particularly, but I think in this law of marrying your relative's widow, that it didn't really matter if you were married otherwise or not. So why why wouldn't she just like poke him to wake him up? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried to poke somebody to wake him up? Many times, yeah. And what happened? They wake up. Yeah. I, I, how? Angry. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't want anyone disturbed. She wants him to calmly wake up because his feet got cold. That's my answer. Okay. <laughs> I would be disturbed if I woke up and there was someone laying at my feet. <laughs> I think he was a little. <laughs> I'd be more disturbed than if someone poked me. <laughs> I think poking at, with somebody laying at your feet would be even worse. Hey, there's plenty of this that's interpretive. I have thought about most of these things and I've got my answer. I wouldn't guarantee they're right. So she's not laying close enough to like keep his feet warm. No. <laughs> she's not going to warm his feet. We want his feet to get cold. There's lots of ways to think of it. Uh, I'm telling you the way it looks to me, but I won't guarantee all this. The overall thoughts in Ruth, yes. But some of these details are like, uh, this, this is, is weird. No, it's really not if you look at it this way. It's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Why is he sleeping at the threshing? Because they're threshing. So like, isn't is he at his grade. home where he can just go? No, they're out there working, and they sleep there, and they continue working there. I don't know how far the field yeah, was from now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you think it's weird? <laughs> That's a great answer. A woman's sleeping at your feet is bizarre. It'd be dark, and so you would wake up, and there'd be this, like, huddle at your feet, and you'd be like, what is that? Well, I mean, what's she gonna do to talk to him privately? Can I talk to you? Can you come over here? Think that would be too forward. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is backward. I don't know why it needed to be a secret. I, here's what I think, and again, some of this is just my speculation. I think she doesn't want to put Boaz in a position where he has to reject this offer in front of other people. She wants him to have full liberty to make his decision without anybody else knowing she's even requested it. That's what I Why think. didn't she send him a letter? <laughs> you don't propose to somebody by letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously that would be wrong. Okay. So she was proposing to him. Yeah, she was in a sense. She was proposing that he propose. <laughs> well, I think it's just God has a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> he I does, but I'm not sure I see that here. But No, I, I personally think there's ties to it. <laughs> yeah. So, and this, there's a lot of question marks. 
Again, I think the overall message is, okay, we can get that. Some of these details are like, uh, I think it's this and this and this, but I wouldn't swear to it. I think verse 8 relates to what you said, Logan. He was startled. Yeah, I think he was startled. So poking would have been just as good. It would have been just fine. That would have been double startlation. Startling? Startlation. Can we use that word? Doubly startling. Yeah. Why? I think that's the first time I've ever used that word. <laughs> if he didn't wear socks to bed or else his feet wouldn't have gotten cold and then he wouldn't have woken up. He wouldn't have needed a cover on his feet if he had socks on. Did he wear socks back then? Because <laughs> they all wore sandals, I That's thought. true. You don't wear socks with sandals. Well, maybe he wore like <laughs> That looks corny. <laughs> That's right. Right. Uh, this is really an edifying discussion. <laughs> so what about the idea? We're talking about you know, Old Testament fashion. <laughs> you know, the Lord had a plan, obviously, but they're still doing things. And yet we read another story where the Lord had plans and they're doing things. And it's like, well, they didn't need to help the Lord. Like Abraham. And yeah, like Abraham and Sarah. And well, I think the difference is whether or not we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. We never have to help the Lord by doing the wrong thing. Doing right things is not helping the Lord. It's continuing to serve the Lord and submit to Him. So I think, no, it's not like we have this fatalistic idea. I wouldn't want to do something to lead to the Lord's will being done because I just want to trust God to do it. No, it's not that way. I mean, and I'll, I'll suggest some examples in a minute, but, but it isn't that we say, the Lord's in trouble. I know I'm not supposed to lie, but I'm going to have to this time. Because if I don't, the Lord can never accomplish His will. So I think that's the case. Now think about, you've heard me say these examples before, but like, here's a couple that are really striking to me. The Lord tells Paul, Acts 23, you'll go and witness before me in Rome. Next thing that happens is the Jews form this plot with more than 40 men who are not going to eat or drink until they kill Paul. They died quickly. Uh, or whatever. But Paul's nephew hears about this and he comes and tells Paul. And Paul says, you don't need to do anything about it because the Lord told me I'm going to Rome. No, that's not what he does. He, said, he, brings, he asks a guard to come over and to take this boy by the hand and lead him to the commander and inform him of the plot so the commander can do something to stop Paul from getting ambushed and killed. Why did he do that when he knew the Lord said you're going to go to Rome? Because knowing the Lord says you're going to go to Rome doesn't mean you're not supposed to do anything. And then God tells him on the ship, everybody's going to be saved with you. And then the, the sailors are about to jump into the lifeboat and get away. And Paul said, if you let them get off this boat, we're goners. And the, the soldiers just cut off the lifeboats. And again, why didn't Paul say, oh, we don't have to worry about it. No matter what happens, we're all going to be saved. So I don't think knowing God's action means we're not supposed to do what we can. I think God wants us to do what we can, and it's still him that's in charge of it controlling it. That, I think we make a mistake when we have a fatalistic I'm just supposed to let go and let God. I think we make a mistake when we think i got to do something on my own against God's will so that God can get the job done. So that's where I stand.
really good question. Really good things to think through. Even if, you know, we're kind of saying, this is what it looks like to me. Some of these have to be tentative conclusions. You can keep thinking about them. But I think good dis- good things to discuss and think through. Other thoughts? So how do you address Abraham and Hagar? I don't really think that Sarah should have given her servant to, to Abraham. I don't know that he really had the right to her. And I don't think that's faith that God would do what he said in giving Abraham and Sarah a son. I mean, I think that's trying to work things out a different way than what God had really implied they were going to do it. Well, since, since I'm too old and God can't do this through me, we'll try to come up with a plan B for God that maybe he hadn't thought about. Had God said specifically at that point that it was Sarah? I don't know that he specifically said Sarah, but I think that's the implication. I think they should have understood that, yes, this isn't for her to give some secondary wife to Abraham, but that that God's intending for Abraham and Sarah to bear a child. That would be my way of looking at that. Clearly, I think from Galatians 4 especially, and really from Genesis 16 also, God didn't approve of that. And that's my reason for thinking he didn't approve of it. Sometimes we look at some of these things and seeing even how God saw it later gives us more of a clue as to whether or not this was the right thing or the wrong thing. I will have about 6 to 13. What chapter are we in? Three. <laughs> <laughs> We're all over bridging the word. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of the grain. <coughs> and she came secretly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward. And behold, a woman <laughs> lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear, for I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in this city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now, it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night. When morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. Okay. So, Ruth does what Naomi told her to do. And sure enough, he wakes up and says, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth, your maid, so spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. Go back to 2.12. Uh, May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Now Ruth is asking Boaz to fulfill what he prayed to God, that she would be protected and covered under the wings of the Lord here, that she be protected uh, by Boaz. Really, she's saying, let God use you as the instrument to fulfill your own prayer. Not that she knew that he prayed that. but And he is in a situation where he has to make a decision. Is he willing? 
to be the kinsman? Is he willing to marry Ruth and have the first son be the son of the deceased? And furthermore, there will be other obligations of a kinsman redeemer he has to fulfill. We'll find out a little later. So this is going to be a great sacrifice for him. We'll talk about that more in chapter 4. But he's willing. He praises Ruth. She is showing she cares about Naomi and her deceased husband instead of going after younger, more vibrant men that perhaps she would have been more attracted to, he's more than willing to fulfill his role as the kinsman redeemer. However, you know, there's always the kink in the works. There is someone who's a closer relative who has first right to this. So we've just bought, breathed a sigh of relief. Boaz is willing, and now we find it may not work out after all. There's somebody who's got first claim on her. You know, it's kind of ironic. Naomi was kind of helpless to begin with. Now she's got too many helpers. Uh, but but the, we, the question is, we don't know if this other one will want to fulfill that role. But if he wants to, he's got first right. He's closer kinsman than what Boaz is. Again, I like Boaz's attitude here. He's like, well, if he if he chooses to redeem you, then good. He's not like claiming you're mine now, but he's the thing is for her to be able to to preserve her her line there and be be honored in that. Um, and he, he's carrying that much for her that it's like it's not about me. It's if if he's redeeming you, well, that's great. Amen. Absolutely, yes. And he's following every proper procedure. You know, he's a very just, righteous kind of a person, I think. But I think it's cool that even though in this time of the judges, there's not a very good influence around him, he still is leading. He's still, in every conversation, he's mentioned the Lord um, every single time he has talked. It's Great point. I agree. Still doesn't quite fit with the redeeming thing because her dead husband was a Moabite. No, no. She's a Moabite. Her dead husband was an Israelite. Was Naomi's son. Okay. Yeah. All right. So would he? So how does that fit with what? What about Naomi's husband? (laughs) Yeah. Why doesn't he? Well, I guess she had sons, but she has nobody to carry on her inheritance. So is it? Go back. I guess that's where I was getting it confused. But it go. It doesn't. It's not even her husband's property because he had none. Or name. It goes all the way back to Naomi. Naomi's husband. Yes. Yes. Correct. Why doesn't he redeem Naomi? She's too old to have children. And she had children. And they die. So they, they're, they're no longer, so they don't have... They would still be Naomi's family because it would have been Ruth's husband who was Naomi's son. Right. I don't know why we're assuming Ruth can have children. She obviously went ten years without them, so... Well, she apparently does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know why they would assume that she could. Best chance we got. But no, I think really, I mean, the fact that Elimelech dies does not change the fact that the property would be passed down through Ruth's (laughs) husband. There'd be a lot of times that the father would have died, 
and the property would belong to the son, except the son has died, and so there's no grandson to inherit the property from him. So is this relating to the property as well as the lineage thing? I think so. I think we'll see that in chapter 4. So did Naomi not have any claim to her property when she came back? Um, I think she does, but there's no one to pass it on to, and we find out that she's had to mortgage it. Or it was mortgaged at some point. Or sold, sold in this yeah, case, yeah. but they're allowed to get it back. Yeah, so once Naomi dies, then it would permanently go to some closest relative, right? Yes, because there's no descendant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The closest relative at this point would inherit, would gain the property when Naomi dies. That's my understanding. I'm surprised that they would interpret it as the right of the closest relative to do this, because I don't feel like this is like a right so much as like. Yeah. If somebody's willing, then... I agree good. with that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost a responsibility. Right, but he seems to feel obligated to check with this other person first. Yes. Um, maybe he'd want to marry Ruth. Is it also possible because they'll inherit land, so it could boost the other person's wealth? However, the land then becomes the property of the son. So and not his own sons. Not his own sons. That's correct. Well, his own, but not his own sons through who he's already got, but the new son that will become. become yeah. Then you have to submit the son. What if they have a daughter? Well, what if they had both? Most people would have sons. Well, it would pass to the daughter. This and that's like right. The if, if they had all daughters, it would pass to the daughters. Through, remember Zalofa had? Oh, yeah. He had like seven daughters or something? Five. Yeah, numbers 27 and numbers 36. All right, let's go ahead and finish this chapter, and then we'll take a break. 14 to 18. So she lay at his feet until morning, and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Again he said, Give me the cloak that is on you, and hold it. So she held it, and he measured six measures of barley, and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her. She said, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. All right, some more interpretive stuff here. Early in the morning, before it's light enough to know who's who, he says, I don't want anybody to know that you came to the threshing floor. Why? Well, I think he doesn't want to give any occasion for gossip. You know, gossipers are not careful about the facts. There's really been nothing improper go on. But people might misunderstand why Ruth had come to the threshing floor. So he ha- he loads her up with barley. I think so it gives her a cover for her return. Looks like she's come and gotten grain. Well, actually, she did come and she got grain. And uh, so that will perhaps explain questions. And uh, so she goes back to um, Naomi. 
This is a mistranslation. It's an interpretive translation in verse 16. The margin is correct in the New American Standard. When she gets to Naomi, Naomi said, not how did it go, my daughter. That is what she means, but that's not what she says. What she says is, who are you, my daughter? But the translators didn't understand what that meant, so they translated it, or maybe they did, and they just tried to explain it to us. What Naomi is asking is, who are you? In other words, are you Miss Ruth or are you Mrs. Boaz? Who are you now? I think that's what she's asking. You know, she's matchmate. Now, has this worked? And, well, yeah, you know, here's what happened. And she said, well, I know Boaz will know by tonight. You know, he won't let the matter rest. We'll find out if this closer kinsman is going to take you or if it's going to be Boaz. Thoughts and comments? Well, didn't she leave before it was light enough to tell who was who? So she could be asking who it was coming to her door? Well, who knows when it's going to get light? You know, you, and you want to take every precaution. You know, you I'm never know who's got no, a flashlight. Saying, saying. No, it was with Ruth. And Naomi well, couldn't tell who it was, literally. Oh, no, I don't think. I, she still knows it is. Yeah, no, I got you now. No, I think, I think the question is, you know, did you marry him? <laughs> you what? Feel a little fast in the middle of the night. Yeah. Well, I mean, drop everything and get married. It's just the thing to do. Someone laying at your feet. Well, you might as well. <laughs> you know, I also wonder, like, isn't that like inappropriate though? You know, they're not married, and then she goes into his room while or threshing floor while he's sleeping. And sleep on his feet. Isn't that inappropriate? No, no, really. Well, he obviously thinks it could be construed that way. Yes, it could be construed that way, but it doesn't mean that it was. There's nothing inappropriate that happened. No, there wasn't, but the fact that, you know, she's going to him while he's sleeping, I mean, that's, I don't know. I I think she's perfectly honorable in her intentions. I think Boaz acted perfectly honorably. But I think gossips don't mind, don't mind, don't care about that. You know, they're going to say whatever they want to say. So it does leave open the possibility for gossip and for people to think the wrong thing. But I think everybody has acted honorably. I don't think Ruth had bad intentions. I don't think Boaz did. I don't think anything bad went on. But I think people could imagine that. People do imagine those things. Would it be appropriate today for somebody to do that? <laughs> I know very few people who sleep on the threshing floor, but I guess. But I just don't think that would, I agree with that, she's not appropriate. It was appropriate. Would it be okay for Laura to have gone and uncovered Jason's feet while he was sleeping before they were married? Would you have approved of that? I, think. I don't think there's anything wrong with uncovering somebody's feet. <laughs> <laughs> In his bedroom, alone? Well, Ryan pointed out that there are probably lots of people sleeping. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't in the bedroom. It was in the bedroom. Sleeping on a pile of grass. It was a sleepover. It was a sleepover. These are extraordinary circumstances, but I think we sometimes get hung up with, you know, what we think 
well, but I don't think this is wise. I think this is this and this and this and this. Well, yeah, there are various circumstances. You've got to, you know, consider the whole situation in any case. But but there is nothing wrong that's happening, even if you might say we wouldn't have a good reason to do this in this situation. That's probably true. I don't really know anybody who's proposed by uncovering somebody's feet. <laughs> you know, that's a little odd for us. But this is an unusual situation, and it worked out well. All right, well, why don't we take our break, and then we'll work on Chapter 4 in the uh, reflection.